You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey gals, so the audio today on the podcast is going to sound slightly different than what you're used to. What we're going to do is we're going to actually be playing for you a Devoted Live that we did. Now, if you don't know what Devoted Live is, it's actually a meeting that we have in the building at Athey Creek. It's on 9 a.m. on one Saturday a month. And we have it there for the gals that can join us in person, but we also do it, stream it live, and then also have it on our YouTube channel as well. We've just decided for some of these, we're actually going to also put these out on the podcast platform, and it'll allow you to be able to just listen just like you would the rest of our podcasts. If you would like to actually be able to see this Devoted Live and actually be able to watch and see the slides that kind of went with the teaching and all that good stuff, you're always welcome to check out the Athey Women YouTube channel, and then you'll be able to see the full teaching there on the Devoted Live section of the Athey Women YouTube channel. So there you go. Might sound a little bit different, but I hope you will be encouraged by it. Well, today for Devoted Live... Well, you guys know I always get real excited about these things, and I love looking at the Word, and I particularly the passage that we're going to really spend some time in is one of my all-time favorite chapters in the Bible. But I have to say, this one, I think probably of any devoted life that I can think of, in a while at least, the enemy's been pretty pokey with this one, which always makes you sit up and take note a little bit and go, okay, so, so what, what is that telling me? It's made me pray a lot, which has been great. But I do think that there is some stuff here today for us gals that I think the Lord has challenged me. I think he's challenging all of us. And um, so be ready because some of it might, you know, wrinkles. They're not gonna lock the doors or anything and make you guys like stay in here once I get started and offending people and stuff like that. But just, just, it's okay, it's okay. So we do these devoted lives once a month. And as you guys know, we don't, we're not going, the study is the stuff we do in um, t- twice a year. And these ones, we just kind of have it, we usually pick something that I see the Lord is just kind of laying on my heart for women and ways that we can get derailed, ways in which the Bible comes in sharp contrast with the, with the culture that we live in. And it is getting easier and easier to spot the difference, isn't it? Most of the time. But Sometimes, and I think one of the things we're going to talk about today is, oh, I think our discernment needs to be a little sharper. So there's a lot of scripture today. So hang on. And, you know, if I go too fast, remember, I just said, we're on the YouTube channel. You can always go back and check it out. So I'm apologizing ahead of time. Remember, I mentioned I was caffeinated. So one of the things, before we get jumping into this too far, is I want to mention here, what are we as Christians, as gals, what, what are we here for? Now, if you're a Christian a gal that studied your Bible for a while, you, you've read the passages in, in Revelations and, you, and you, Revelation, and you've seen that we are here for his glory, right? But what would what, you come today for? What do you come to church on Wednesday nights for? What do you come on Tuesday nights for? You know, we hopefully, if you're coming, you, you sense your need, because that's the first thing, is that we sense that we need Jesus, we are, we are sinners and we need the Lord. And that's the first thing that drew us in, right? Is, is that salvation, to actually be saved from our sin eternally with him in heaven. That's, that's our first purpose. But once we're saved, that's that, that answers that eternal question. Then what? Once you're saved, are we just biding our time 
Are we just gonna kind of tread water and, you know, uh, rapture in eternity, we're here for it, but we're not really, I mean, what are we really doing in the meantime? We're saved, got that box checked, but, but then what? And this is where, as gals, athe Creekers, we wanna constantly be reaching for our Bibles. We mention this passage often, but it is so key for us. And I, there's a couple words I wanna key in on the very end here, but all scripture is breathed out by God. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Okay, that last part right there, equipped, complete, and equipped for every good work. That's what I think we, when we are doing our study of our Bibles on our own, when we're coming to church, we are looking into the scriptures because we see that that's where we need to go so that we can be complete and equipped for every good work. Not just biding our time, not just kind of going with the flow, not just going, I'm saved, awesome, and then that's it, getting into heaven with smoke on our tails, right? But actually looking to the scriptures for how we can be complete and how we can be equipped. That's what we look to, the, to God's word for. And so that's what I think our purpose in the here and now is what we're supposed to be doing. Now, there's a couple specific scriptures when it comes to this and how the scriptures then make us complete and equipped that we see in scripture that really kind of drives it home. Some of these are words that we're like, ooh, boy, that's, I'm not sure how to do that. But first, Peter 1, 13 through 16, therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. This is one of those passages in the scriptures that we kind of go, I'm all good with all of that until we get to that whole last line when it says, you shall be holy for I am holy. We have hopefully zero problem recognizing the holiness of God. He is holy he is, he's not like us, right? But why does it say that he is saying that you be holy as I am holy? That part right there, that, that's, that makes us a little nervous and that makes us go, oh, I don't, I don't really know what to do with that. Now, the word holy, I just think this is, we've kind of lost what the meaning of this is in our culture, right? Like, we use holy for, like, just an adjective, Right? I mean, we don't really stop and think about what this word actually is. In our modern context, um, if I, when I looked it up in the Cambridge Dictionary, it says it's something considered to be pure or good because it's related to what a religion values. I mean, just think about that a second. It's, it's re- because it's related to a religious thing, then it must be good and, and it's pure. But it's definitely different than some of our old school holy definitions. So, you know, I love to pull out my, my old ones. That one says properly holy, entire or perfect in a moral sense, pure in heart, temper or dispositions, free from sin and sinful affections. Applied to the supreme being, holy signifies perfectly pure, immaculate, and complete in moral character. That is a slightly more robust definition than just something, if it's considered to be related to religion, then it's good and it's all that. It also means this, and we've looked at this at our prayer study when we were looking at the Lord's Prayer, hallowed, consecrated or set apart for sacred use or to the service of worship of God. So it's a weighty definition. And I actually think that's okay. I think we should be okay with the fact that something feels like, oh, that's kind of a lot to take in. 
And, and what I love too is the graciousness of the Lord is he doesn't just say, well, okay, well, this is what I've told you to do, so hop to it. But he's, he's kind in this. And that's, again, go back to that Second Timothy passage. His word is there helping to equip us with, with this, helping us to equip us to know what it means to be holy as he is holy. But it can feel like, oh, this is impossible. You know, I, I think that when we are looking for his word, we, we need to know that it is gonna have instruction for us, right? That first part of 2 Timothy 3.16 said that, that it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correction. Like those are those things where sometimes we're like, we're going in one direction and the Lord's like, oh, yep, nope, nope, nope. That's that correction. So we should look to the word for that too and not be surprised when the word corrects us. And the word says, you need to watch out for this. You need to stay away from this or just flat out kind of, you know, you, you step on the rake and it just hits you in the forehead. Sometimes it can feel like that too. Like you're really going in the wrong direction. But that's the thing, that's what the word does. And it fully equips us for that in this lane of keep, um, putting us holy, where, how we can be that. So the, with the culture conflict with this is that the world says that to be happy is far more important than being holy. If, if you and women, you just need to get your discernment on about this because we're such a, we're feeling creatures. Again, not a bad thing, but your feelings should not lead. And we get where if it doesn't feel right, if, it, if I don't like it, if I'm not happy, I need to change something. Man, ladies, as you, as you study your scriptures, as we're going through the gospels, right, in, at church, and you look at the life of Jesus and you think about the things that he endured. We just got done looking at the cross when we were finishing up Mark. What part of, of, of that, the feeling of happiness, did Jesus feel necessarily? But are we so glad that he endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy set before him? That's a difference, right? Joy, happiness, two different things. But we culturally seek to be happy. We don't want to have something that um, just doesn't feel good to us. And I would say probably if we're in a mode where you're just kind of always checking in with your feeling side of things, you need to check some stuff. If that feeling matches up with the word of God, then cool, keep going. But if it's not, we are the ones that need to change. God's word doesn't change, we need to change. But we are not called to be happy, we are called to be holy. So if you brought your Bible today, I'm going to spend a chunk of time here in Ephesians 5. So uh, we're going to go through a section. I'm going to read these verses to you here. Ephesians 5 is where we're going to be. In your New Testament, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, it's in there. Just keep flipping. Okay, Ephesians 5. And I want to read this first, and then we're going to go back and we're going to kind of break some stuff down. But have approached this with the heart of, Lord, complete me, equip me with your word and let it do its correcting work where it needs to, but have soft hearts as we read what God, what God is saying to us here in Ephesians. So Ephesians 5 verse 1 starts, and it says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse three, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. 
For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. This passage here, like I said, there, there's so many things, and that's why I want to back it up, and I want to go through these things. But as we've even talked about holiness, you see some pictures in here that are going to give us a description on how this holiness thing maybe is, is applied. Now, another word that we sometimes see before we back into this too much is the term sanctification. And sanctification is translated in the, I'm going to show you a couple verses where they use the same word, but I want to show you what Webster, how it defines sanctification. It's the act of making holy. In an evangelical sense, the act of God's grace by which the affections of men are purified or alienated from sin and the world and exalted to the supreme love to God. So I, I particularly, I pulled this definition because that word alienated in there, this to me says that pulling out, that separation, that sanctification is. It's saying the world's doing this over here. I want to be an alien from that. I want to be completely set apart. I want to be so foreign to that sin, so foreign to the things that the world is doing. That is sanctification. So we see this in a couple of passages. Second Thessalonians 2.13 is one of these. And it says, but we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief and truth. Now, I wanna pause with that real quick because sometimes we hear, okay, so it says I'm saved by sanctification, through sanctification, okay? Sanctification is that act of becoming holy and we'll look at a few different levels there in that um, sanctification, but we know that we are saved by faith. We are no, we, the scriptures are very clear that we are saved eternally by that. But this is like what I was talking about at the beginning. You're, you're saved and you come to Jesus, you repent of your sins and you are hopefully then walking with him. Not just meeting him and then we'll see you later, but actually walking with him. And that's that sanctification part. It's, it's progressively becoming more like Christ, like it said there in the very first uh, part of Ephesians 5. Now, the same word here that is, that's a sanctification here in 2 Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians, it's translated holiness. It's the exact same word. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Same word. It says there, holiness and sanctification. Now, just as holiness... It's not a big deal in culture. We can't even really define it very well. It's very vague. We want to be all about happiness. Holiness is never going to be the driving force of the majority, right? But that's, that, that's not what we're going to be, where, where the world wants us to head. I was sort of thinking about sanctification. I don't know if any of you guys have 
I don't even know what the age minimum is. Thrifting is a really big deal right now. Okay, there's some of you that are like, okay. So if, if I don't know what the, again, if you don't have teenagers right now, you might not know that they would almost rather go to Goodwill and buy, wow, than they would rather you buy them clothes. It's the weirdest thing. And I was, I was slow to this. Like I thought I was buying my kids like, okay, here you go. Here's some new jeans. You know, mom, I can just get those at Goodwill. Seriously? Like I never said that to my mom. I'm just saying. So, and I get a little grossed out. Goodwill's fine, but you know, you know, please wash it well when you come home. I mean, I just don't even know. So, um, but thrifting is, it's kind of like, yep, they want to wear their clothes that way. But, but I, it's also like you, when you go into a thrift store, you're sort of like sorting things out, right? You're, you're sorting things out and going, okay, this, this looks like it's got some life in it, you know, or this is really cool or whatever. But you're, you're kind of sorting through. And there'll be some things that you'll go, wow, no, that's way too what my mom would wear. And, you know, although I'm just saying they kind of want to, it's like mom clothes. I don't even know. Don't tell them because then they'll stop, stop wearing those things and it'll cost us more money anyway. But, um, but you're, you're kind of sifting through it. And in some ways, I feel like that's how sometimes we approach sanctification. Like, it's good enough. Like, I, I don't want to get too radical and crazy on this whole, like, it says, it says, let's just, you know, calm down on the whole Christian thing. Let's just approach it a little bit more like thrifting, and it's like, it's, it's okay. It's good enough. It's got some life left in it. This, this isn't, this might be a little bit easier to do this. And, and so we can approach our Christian walk a little bit more like it's good enough and sifting through and thrifting. But that isn't how we should look at our sanctification, for sure. Now, I'm going to very, very briefly talk through just a couple things because Pastor Brett has done this many times, but it's been really helpful for me to understand the ways in which our sanctification look differently. And I, I'm not going to go into these in depth because I would really encourage you to go on the church website, download, he's done several teachings where he's talked about sanctification. But when he mentions sanctification, he always does, goes into these three things. When he's talking about be holy as I am holy, be perfect, these scriptures that talk about that, how that looks for us as Christians. So if any of this feels a little deep and you're like, I went way, way too fast on that, please go check out Pastor Brett's teaching on this. But the first one is that we're positionally perfect in Christ. And that's from Hebrews 10, 14, that there is one offering, Jesus in Christ. So that's, that's where it's, that's, we're saved. We're saved by, by Jesus, not by our works. We, our works and the things that we do are an outpouring of our love for Jesus, of the fact that we have been forgiven much, but they're not the thing that saves us. They're more so evidence of, of that act that has taken place and coming to the Lord and being saved. So there's positional perfection with sanctification. There's also progressive perfection. You know, that's, that's the moving towards being more like Jesus. And that moving towards requires the things where we have to get rid of some junk, where we recognize that, nope, that is not what's something that pleases the Lord, or this is something that, that is not good for me. And so we kind of cut those things out of our life. We notice the things that are de the defilements. It's in uh, 2 Corinthians um, 7, maybe it's not. It, it says, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing holiness to the completion in the fear of God. That's 2 Corinthians 7, 1. So that's that progressive perfection. And then the last one is the promise perfection. You know, that's the fact that we know that when we go to heaven, when we see him, we will be like him. That's when we're absolutely perfect before him. And that's 
what our promise, we, the word tells us we will be like him. So those are those three levels there when we're talking about sanctification. It is, it's a deeper uh, theological word, but it's one that we should be aware of because sometimes, gals, we can go, well, that sounds too deep and, and I'm just gonna approach it more like thrifting and I kind of get that surfacey level and not really wanna go down to the more uncomfortable levels of things that we actually have to throw out and they don't even go to goodwill, but they're like in the trash, the things that defile us. So I wanna go back to Ephesians here and I wanna look at how this, this passage in Ephesians um, chapter five tells us the how of holiness and what that can look like for us. So the very first thing we saw in, uh, in verse one, it's talked about being imitators of God. Being imitators. Everybody's played Simon Says at least once in their life, right? Copying what the Lord is, done, uh, what the Lord is doing. Now, the freeing part of this is that sometimes that is the most no-brainer thing. You don't have to think of anything original. It's like, huh, I'll just do what this person is doing. That's how Simon Says works. Same concept that it's trying to talk about with the Lord. Be imitators of God. Do what he would have you do in this situation. Uh, moms, we see this all the time with our kids, right? We, um, they, our kiddos will copy the things that we do. Like it or not, they're watching and they're gonna copy the things that you do. So, that puts us at a little bit higher standard. And I'll say the same thing for adults if you're, if you're in a place of um, you know, teaching kids in, in a school setting, if you are just in a place where people are looking to you, they're watching you, they're watching you. It's that concept of being an imitator. So for us, we need to be checking ourselves, hold ourselves to a higher standard, say we wanna be imitators of God because others are gonna watch us and see what we're doing. I, Spurgeon once quoted a guy that was an atheist and he said, I have heard of an atheist who said he could get over every argument except the example of his godly mother. He could never answer that. And, and I think that the world itself would kind of be watching Christians and saying, how do, how do you guys act? Do I, what am I copying from you? Or do you look just like the rest of us? Do we look different? So the first thing in this is the how of holiness is to be imitators. And we saw that in Ephesians 5, verse one. But the next part, this is where we get to some of the things that we've got to start taking out. The second part in the how of holiness is have no part in sexual immorality, impurity, or filthiness. I want you to just read that verse again in verse five. It was in verse three and four. And it says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. So he, he says this, that he's, he's kind of coming up with this list that we need to stay away from. He keeps going in Ephesians 5.5. 5, and he says, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So this, this passage gets a little like, oh, sometimes we want to glaze over these words and we just go, okay, well, I'm definitely not doing that. But let's, let's stop on this because, you know, sexual immorality, it's, like, it's as if Paul just keeps going, let me put another word for it. Let me put another word for it. I'm saying the same thing overall. Don't do impure things. Don't do things that are sexual immorality. The other word, fornication, that we see. Brett just talked about this in, in services, that anything that is outside of marriage for sex is called fornication, all of it. 
It's very, can be very general. But this even kind of even goes steps back and even a little more generally speaking. Sexual immorality and all impurity even. Stay away. And then it goes on and says anything to is impure is even covetous, which is an idolater. That is intriguing to me. How is it that we take things that are impure, immoral, and then tack on almost like a longing for them? I want to be like that. This might not be too hard for you to start to imagine because our culture is so unbelievably sexualized from billboards to music videos to, I mean, everywhere you go, that is what we, are, what we see. And there can be this little bit, especially I'll say for gals who there's all this image stuff and it's, it's you need to look a certain way, you need to dress a certain way. But that dress and look a certain way is often probably within that category of, is this pleasing to God? Is this representing something that is impure? Is this something that is a defilement? And, but we don't want to use those words because those sound way too harsh today. Come on, don't make a big deal about all that stuff. I think Paul's making a big deal about it. He says, have no part of it. Now, th- this whole passage here is also reminiscent, reminiscent of the Galatians passage in uh, Galatians 5.19 through 21. And so I'll read this list to you too because it, it even expounds on the things that we need to and our how of holiness, the things that we, we need to look at and say we want no part of that. This expands on that list. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Does it start to sound like a Dr. Seuss? Like you just keep, and da, 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 da. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now for some, this passage totally freaks, actually for all of us, this should freak us out. It's a, it, that's a heavy, heavy list. And there is not a single one of us that can say, can anybody in here say, oh, I've never envied? Or I've never had dissensions or divisions, impurity. And we just, every single one of us are guilty of this list in some ways. So then that's a little scary because you think, oh, so it says I can't inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, this is why we read all of the Bible and we know that the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And we know that it is that we are forgiven of our sins. But that's why when it says that those who do these things, that is, that's a verb tense there that's saying actively practicing these things. If you are actively practicing and working on how you can be better at those sins, then that, I wouldn't want to be there. That's shaky, shaky place to stand, to stand in. But if you're struggling against those sins, if you're bringing those things to the Lord, asking for forgiveness and to be victorious in those areas of sin in your life through the Holy Spirit in your life, that's not who this is. That, that's that sanctification part. That's where we're going, oh, Lord, I want to be more like you, but I keep failing. I keep doing this. His mercies are new every morning. Aren't we thankful for that? So we wrestle against the flesh. But I think the question would be with that list in Ephesians, with this list in Galatians, is are we running from these things? Or are we getting a little cozy with them? You know, 1 Corinthians 6.18, I like it in the, in the King James, it says to flee fornication. Flee fornication, just run away. And every time I think of that word flee, I think of, well, there's two things. One is biblical and one is very not. One is, I always think of the story in the Old Testament when Joseph, you know, he, he ran away from Potiphar's wife and he like wiggled out of his coat and he ran for his life. Like I think I have that image in my brain when I think of flee fornication. The other one actually is, you know, Forrest Gump when there's all the memes that say run, Forrest, run. 
I always think of that when I think of, because that could, should be our mindset when we think of things that are in any of these lists, strife, jealousy, impurity, sensuality, run away, run, 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 run away. Now, what's funny though, is what do we do? We sometimes stand still and go, well, let me evaluate that. Is that really bad? I don't want to appear to be too weird. Maybe the Lord would have me be a witness in this area. Maybe that's it. It's kind of simple. Flee fornication. Run away. Run, run, run. So I want to repeat this part. You can look at it in your Bible, but I want to, I just, if you're a Bible marker, I'm a crazy Bible marker, so I, I just like to write all these things. But that passage again, note the things that it said, immorality, all impurity, covetousness. Then it even like goes even deeper or maybe even a little harder and say, oof, what about the things you're talking about? Do you talk about things that are not appropriate? All of the things, and, and, and two words that, things that I'll also highlight in there, it says, it says it's out of place. And it says that they're not even to be named. Like I re, when I read Ephesians 5, and, and I'm telling you, after today, go home, read Ephesians 5 several times. You're, it's hard to miss that Paul is really trying to really drive a point home here. Like, how, how clear can I be? And I don't hear it with the harsh, like, man, y'all need to get it together. I truly, I mean, we know that scripture is here because it's, it's equipping us. Yeah, it's gonna correct us and all that. But it, it's, it's loving because all of this stuff, is, it can so entrap us. It can so suck us in to something we don't wanna do. And he says, I don't wanna name it, okay? No place. If you are saved and you are sanctified by Jesus, please, I think he would say, don't even, don't even be in the same room that it's in. So I know, it's a lot. Everybody okay? Okay. Because then I step back, I read scriptures like this, and I go, well, what has our world been up to this summer? My lane? We're girl, oh, for girls. Girls, what were we into this summer? And I don't mean every one of you sitting in this chair. But overall, what were women really into this summer? And at first, when some of these things hit the radar, I thought, oh, well, that's not going to be a big deal. Well, and then the Barbie movie came out, and it made $1.36 billion. And I, I, I just, if you guys have heard, if anybody listens to the Devoted podcast, I've gone into this one in a little bit more depth already because there are some very unbiblical things that are being promoted in that. Things that I, I do think that as Christians, we should go, ooh, I maybe shouldn't have part of that. I shouldn't be there with that. But overall, the things that we were really super excited about this summer, and again, I'm using we very generally, we were really excited about the Barbie movie. Did you know you couldn't even, that, that the color of pink, actually you couldn't buy it in stores because it was sold out. It was such a big deal that people even just bought the color up. And, and I'm not a pink person anyway, so it didn't affect me too much. But, you know, pink was a big deal. The other thing that was a big deal, you might have heard of this. Maybe, maybe. So there's, this, there's a, someone called Taylor Swift. So when this first came out, when Taylor Swift first came out, you know, and, and there's a long, uh, I would say, history with this. She kind of started very innocent and, and young and, and just kind of, you know, a sweet, sweet girl, it would seem, right? And I, and I don't know at what point, I'm not enough of an expert, but I have read a lot of lyrics here. Um, there was a dark turn 
There was a dark, dark turn. But this summer, she broke every record you can imagine. I mean, gals, this was the rage. So if you're not aware, in total, so her, her concert tickets, when they first sold, they like broke Ticketmaster. And like even there had to be Senate hearings to figure out like how we figured this out. It was that big of a deal. Then after they got the ticket thing figured out, then people started buying tickets in mass, but they couldn't find tickets just in their city. So they'd go places and, they, and then they would buy, uh, you know, between the hotels and the food and all this stuff. She ended up being such a boon to the economy that the whole, her whole tour is expected, according to this article, it was expected to be around 5 billion, which is the same number as the combined GDP, gross domestic product, of 50 countries. Like she has effect, she is influential. If you don't know about her, I, I, I think our, the Biden administration is pleased with how she is helping out the economy right now, single-handedly. She is extremely influential. So who, who is she, you know? And, and Aim, are you just gonna be really harsh and mean to poor Taylor Swift? Hang on, hang on. Because here's the thing, she is not someone today that claims to be a Christian. She doesn't. So when I list some of the things that she promotes, keep in mind, she's not saved. She's, she's not walking with Jesus, okay? And you've heard the expression, you can't clean the fish before you catch them, okay? So she's not saved. She's not striving for sanctification. So I'm not trying to say all this as a judgment upon her. Honestly, I think that we should be praying for this girl, because especially as you read some of her lyrics, she is a hurting, hurting girl that has a real big platform and is speaking into a lot of women's lives. And I would say cross-generationally. Like she, she's big with your, your 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 year olds. She's big with your 40 year old moms and the moms and the, it kind of all goes together. So she, she kind of crosses generations with this. But as an individual and as someone who is speaking into the lives of so many people so eloquently, so relatably, she is someone that is very much not aligned with our values according to the Bible, okay? And you just, there's, that's, not, that's not me being mean, that's just stating a fact. She openly affirms LGBTQ+, IA, whatever all the, all, the, all the words are, the letters. She openly affirms that openly. Uh, she, she has politically been very involved in starting uh, uh, petitions for the Senate to pass the Equality Act. She, opens, uh, she so openly supports abortion. She, her quote when Roe v. Wade was overturned is she said she was terrified and heartbroken. Girls, that does not align with what the Bible says. Now again, people get real sensitive about this. Please don't hate on my Taylor Swift. And they call them Swifties and they, uh, it's a thing. And I, I really hope, see, nobody's walked out yet. Good job, gals, good job. Okay. <laughs> But here's the thing, and I have to say, even as I looked at, I was reading these passages and I was praying about some of this, I was like, you know what? Probably if there's a group of people that I could probably make more mad than anyone, it would be if you talk about this issue. Which makes me go, so then have we slipped into that part of Ephesians 5 when it says, don't be in sexual immorality, all the things that are impure, covetousness, which is idolatry. There has become almost an idolatry with the level of near worship we have of whether it's Taylor Swift, whether it's a different artist, whether it's movies, whether it's whatever, that it's that covetousness. Like, oh, I wanna be that. I think that's fun. I think that's cool. It is in stark contrast to what scripture calls us to. And I, and I just don't have any other way than to just say that. 
It's, it's just very different. Now, for her in particular, I think some of her popularity has obviously been driven by, I mean, she has written so, so many songs. She's a very talented songwriter. Um, she, she writes about love and breakups and everyone, like, like if you read the, the comments, it's always like, you're, you're putting words to my thoughts. You are so relatable. And people feel like she's saying what they're thinking. Which again, even that, while yes, maybe expressing some heartbreak, even that is concerning that someone from the world is, is putting words to our thoughts like that. We need to be careful about that. But if you dig a little deeper, I mean, her, her videos, especially I'm gonna address like these, this last tour and this last album that came out, was it's just, it's very sexualized. Promotes alcohol, uh, six-ish of the songs are explicit. And, and again, this isn't a judgment because this is a lost, hurting person that's not living her life for Christ, okay? So the discernment piece is that we need to look at this and go, okay, but it's kind of fun and it's, and it's very poppy. You know, the thing is, is that I will say I am somebody, I love music. I love music and I can, I, I can be drawn into that. And so what I did when her first album or this last album came out is I made sure I didn't listen to one song and I went and read it. And moms, I would really, really encourage you if you're into this or your daughters are into this or maybe you're somebody that your niece or nieces are into this and they're saying, please be the cool aunt and take me. Read those lyrics, read them. Have you ever gone on to Plugged In? It's like a, a site that reviews movies and different things like that. And it's funny how art and music has a way of, it, it's, it's done so beautifully, right? And we can get kind of drawn into the story or the costuming or the, you know, how they portray things. And it kind of takes our, our vision off of some of the crazy stuff. So then when you read a Plugged In review, it'll, like, if, it, you'll think like, oh, that movie wasn't that bad. And then you go read it and it like lists out. It's like, oh, there was this word and this word and this word and this word. It definitely is way more hard hitting when you read it in black and white versus when you see how the art portrays it. Now, I'll even say with that, that is where that discernment piece needs to catch in. You know, I've quoted it many times where Charles Spurgeon said, discernment isn't, it's not just judging right from wrong. It's judging the right from the almost right. But it's still wrong. Almost right still is all wrong, <laughs> if that makes sense. That's discernment. And that's, again, we're gonna keep coming back to the word because Ephesians 5.10, in that part that we've read, it said, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord and be honest with yourself about what is pleasing to the Lord and what is not. Now, the thing with all of this, as I just said, it, it gets where people would go, you're kind of making a big deal about just music or just this. It's fun. It's relatable. It just is feel good kind of stuff. It reminded me of a couple other scriptures. 1 Corinthians 10.23 says this. It says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. I wanted to also show you guys this in the Amplified Bible. It's not an easy way to read, but it does expound on the word sometimes. And it says of the same verse, all things are legitimate, permissible, and we are free to do anything we please. But not all things are helpful, expedient, profitable, or wholesome. All things are legitimate, but not all things are constructive to character and edifying to the spiritual life. 
I think that's a good way, a good sieve for us to kind of pull some of the things that the, the books we read or the movies we watch or the music we listen to, pulling it through that kind of sift. Is this profitable? Is this constructive? Now, again, before anybody thinks this is really heavy-handed and this is like, oh, you're just getting so legalistic. No, no, no. Because we are not talking about that, we're, that you're saved. Like if you fail in any of this, which 100% all of us have failed in these things, that's, that's sanctification. That's realizing our struggle with the flesh, asking for repentance, and choosing to walk away from those things. Flee sin, flee, run away. That's, that's a struggle. But that, that's where every one of us are in that boat. But it doesn't mean that we can hear it and go, oh, yeah, I, that, that's just too much. It's not too much, gals. It's not too much because scripture is outlining this for us. So our next thing in our how of holiness, we looked at that we are to be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. Most of these things you could just follow right through. We already looked at have no part in sexual immorality, impurity, and filthiness. The third one is a little bit what we've just been talking about, watching out for Satan's devices. So there's a couple things in scripture that we are told to not be ignorant of. And 2 Corinthians 2.11 tells us we are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. So when I was talking about the art and the movie and how the characters are done and the costuming, I mean, honestly, her too, or if you look back, if you reference Taylor Swift, our example here, and I, I'm not meaning to pick on her. She just happens to be the biggest example right now. Um, it's, it's so well done. You know, there, there's, uh, there's different dresses and there's all of the things that make it just so attractive. Watch out for Satan's devices. He is going to use anything he possibly can. When we read here, I'm backing up here again to our Ephesians passage in six and seven, it said, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Do not be deceived. Deception is one of the enemies, it's his go-to. He actually doesn't have that many in the arsenal, but that's gotta be his favorite. He wants to deceive, he wants to lie. And this passage is very clear, don't be partners with him, don't have anything to do with them. John 8, 44 in the King James Version is the, I like to read it in this one. Ye are the father, he's talking about Satan, that you are the father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. So that passage when we were reading there in uh, Ephesians, when it talks about let no one deceive you with empty words, who wants to deceive? Satan wants to deceive you. And just call a spade for a spade. He is a big fat liar, okay? But we can go, but, but when I'm looking at these things, this, this movie that's funny or this that's, you know, just so wonderful and it's just entertaining and it just feels good, where's the lie? There's a lot of lie. There's a lot of lie in there. And recognize that those lies, that the enemy wants you to be sucked into that. So Ephesians 5, uh, the, where it said empty words, that phrase caught me. I, I can't, I, I, the slide's already gone, so I can't fly it back up. But if you look in your Bible, it was Ephesians 5, where is it? Ephesians 5, 6 and 7. And verse 6, it says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Empty words. That, word, those, that right there, de- devoid of any advantage or benefit, basically. You know? It's not even an outright lie. Paul is saying, but the empty words, just, just the stuff that doesn't benefit you, that passage that said, not all things are beneficial to me, those kinds of things, we're told to avoid them. 
Just the empty words, not even the things that are just a blazing lie right in front of us. But empty words, avoid those things. That's a strong word. There's a lot of things that we could see that go, oh, minimally, okay, that might not be a flat out lie, but that is, that, those are empty words. So I guess what I would ask us is then what things, so maybe, you, you know, maybe you're like, I have never heard of Taylor Swift until I walked into the door. I could care less if I ever see the Barbie movie. I'm not sucked into those things. But the thing is, the enemy still is playing for you. So you gotta ask yourself, what has he lied to you about? Because he's lying. He's definitely lying and he's definitely actively fighting against you walking in sanctification and holiness. He does not want you to do that at all. Don't be imitators. No, 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 he's got some sweet words for you. I always think back to that Genesis 3, 5 when, when Satan is tempting Eve and he says, did God really say is it really? I mean, you can hear the tone, right, gals? You can hear the like, is it really that bad? Hear it. Hear who is behind those words, those empty words that are lying to you. And so ask yourself, what am I being lied to? Am I being lied to, you know, it's just not that big of a deal. Remember, that, that's kind of Satan. He's there. It's just music. It's not like I'm going to start like swearing and drinking and, you know, living a promiscuous life and doing all these things that are in the song. What's the big deal? It's just fun. It's just a movie. It's just a song. It's just a concert. What's the big deal? It's so relatable. I feel so seen. I feel so heard. Okay, where does it start? I love how Elizabeth Elliot says this. She says, spiritual strongholds begin with a thought. One thought becomes a consideration. A consideration develops into an attitude, which leads then to action. Action repeated becomes a habit, and a habit establishes a power base for the enemy that is a stronghold. Now, I think she very plainly lays that out. And again, the enemy's lie is that like, oh, come on. She's gonna say that because you listen to this or you make this kind of like part of your routine or, you know, eventually that it becomes a stronghold. You know what? Maybe it won't. Maybe you're like one of these that maybe it's not, you know, maybe it's not... a. TS for you, maybe it's somebody else, or maybe it's a book you read, or an author you follow, or something that, you know, it's just a little edgy, but it's not like I'm going to, you know, go all in with that. But could you just fast forward five, 10 years? I always think this is like the cautionary tale with alcohol, right? Nobody ever wakes up in the morning and says, like, today I will be an alcoholic. I'm going to have a major alcohol problem. Here we go. Nope. It started out just like maybe with just even like a social drinking thing. It started out as like mom saying, oh, it's just been such a hard day and I just, you know, I need my glass of wine and all of this kind of stuff. That's kind of how it started. But then where does it, how does it progress? How does it end? And again, people are gonna like, I'm probably gonna get a lot of emails today. Um, because, but, but y'all read, read the scriptures. Don't, don't listen. Don't just take what Amy's words are. You ask the Lord about what he's saying to, to us in this word. But when I read passages like Ephesians 5, and when, I, and when I see these things about having no partner, like staying as far away from this as possible, then it makes me want to go, okay, I'm not that smart. I'm not, you know, got it all together. Maybe I should really err on the side of caution here, you know? Not because my salvation is on the line. No, already discussed that. But because I want to be an imitator of God. I want to do what his word says. I want to walk in holiness. 
I don't want to have any strongholds. Now, I, I don't have it up here, but you can look up the scripture that, that Jesus, he has given us, we, we conquer strongholds because of Jesus. So if any of those things have become a stronghold in your life, it is never, never, never too late. The Lord can heal, the Lord can restore. He can heal all the broken. But, but let's still call it what it is. It still can become a stronghold. And so when I think of the example of music and maybe some of the things that we see that look like, oh, no big deal, but it's okay, there's a broken relationship. And, but, you know, really that guy over there is so much better. And so I probably should just, you know, look for a happy way. I deserve this. That, if you just take an honest reading of a lot of music out there today in popular culture, that's the message, that you deserve to be happy. Not holy, you deserve to be happy. And it's a lie of the enemy. First John 2 says this. It says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. These things that we're discussing, this, this is the world. Now, this is not saying don't love people. Don't love all the, the people in the world. That's not what God tells us to do. Christ asks us to love others. But love isn't just like putting them in bubble wrap and giving them a big hug on their way to doing terrible things and making awful decisions. You know, I often hear with uh, my, this is my argument. I don't know if anybody would agree with me on this, but I think that like in the example of Taylor Swift, I think she's like our modern day Oprah. She's super nice. She's super nice, guys. She gives tons of money to people. She also gives tons of money to, you know, LGBTQ groups and a lot of things that you would not have heard, but oh, but yeah, yeah, I know, but she is really nice. And I, I applaud that. I love that people are kind. We should all aspire to have that kind of generosity and that kind of kindness. But kindness, good intentions, those types of things, those are not the things that save us. They aren't the things that save us. So recognize that someone can do really good things maybe, and, and they, can have, they can have good intentions for people, but that's, that's not the gospel. The gospel is the only thing that saves us. So know the difference between that. But I wanted us to really highlight that the, the enemy is going to use everything he can to suck you in. And if your thing is music, he's going to go for that. If, if you, your thing is that you are alone and you feel like no one is hearing what you're thinking, no one's hearing what I'm saying, no one's hearing the heartbreak, He's going to use that. He's going to use a song. He's going to use an author. He's going to use a blog post. He's going to use something to try to make you feel heard and seen, which the thing is, is who hears us? Who sees us? Jesus hears us and sees us. The enemy wants you to go, no, 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 you need this person to tell you and be relatable to you. God would say, no, 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 I have got you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I know your every thought. I hemmed you in. I created you. I am the one that wants to do that for you. But the enemy is going to go, what is your thing? Maybe you're like, I just really like to be entertained. I like the fancy dresses. But all of that, if used in an improper lane, is a distraction. Minimally, right? And it could be even more dangerous depending on where you're at with all of that. But are they just empty words? Remember what it said? It said, must not be named. That we as sanctified saints, people that love Jesus and are responding to how much he has forgiven us, how much he loves us. Again, it's not an act of, man, do this, follow all my rules because I'm mean and I'm the boss and I said so. 
That is not the heart of the Lord. All of these things that we're talking about are are an outpouring of a heart that says, oh, Lord, you have loved me. You have forgiven me much. You've promised me a home in eternity. How can I be more like you? How can I discern the things that that will please you? But at the end of all of this, it will ask every one of us, whether we are somebody that cares anything about pop culture and it's a big draw for you or not, for our brains to be changed about it, for our minds to be changed. Romans 12, one and two, it says that, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what, is, what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Change your mind, change your mind. That, while maybe that's hard, but is it hard? Like he didn't even, he doesn't even tell us all of the do's and don'ts. He says, change your mind, change your mind and he will transform you. He will, he will make you new in this. Or can you imagine that it's maybe not even such a struggle? We're just asked to change our mind, but we can change our mind because God's word says we can do it. So also don't, don't play that tape. I'm like, well, I just can't. Yes, you can. God says that you can. Change your mind. So the last thing in our, the how of holiness from this passage in Ephesians 5, be imitators of God, no part of sexual immorality and impurity. Watch out for Satan's devices. But the last thing that he says there is to be light. And you notice he didn't even say a light. He says, be light. Ephesians 5, 8 and 9 in our passage, it says, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are the light, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Matthew, Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Light. Are we light? Are we as Christians light? Or do we kind of just look like the rest of the world? Are we blending in? Because lights don't blend in very much in a dark place, right? They stand out. They look different. And, and we're a funny people. You know, I, I, I'm reading this book that's talking about all the different generations and how, you know, back in what's called the silent generation, they used to choose the names that their kiddos, the silent generation would be people that were born uh, prior to 1925. And they would choose the name of their kiddos to be very common. You know, Steve, Joe, John, Michael, like there weren't very many names and they all were very similar. You, they aimed to pick names that were common among the community. How different? I mean, we pick the weirdest names now. We, I mean, not weird, but like unique, right? We look to names to be like, we want it to be special and unique and all of that, which I, is, is kind of cool. But isn't that interesting that in a time where we want the uniqueness of the individual to stand out so much, we at the same time don't really want to necessarily be a glaring light as a Christian. You know, we almost want to be uniquely blend in. <laughs> How does that work? But we, we, we do that a little bit. But the word is calling us to be light, to stand out, 
to not blend in and not look like everyone else. And especially for those of us that have the light of Jesus in us. Ephesians 5.11 that we read a little bit ago, it says, take no part in the unfruitful words of darkness, but it said, and instead expose them. Now this is going even one step further, isn't it? It's saying, don't just, don't just be a light, but it's actually saying, you know, your light actually is going to shine light then on the yuck. It's going, it's going to expose it. It's going to show perhaps even to others that maybe don't want to hear and see your little light. It's going to expose it. When we, um, when we all watched that, uh, the Maui fire situation go down, it was so tragic to see some of those videos that came out because people would say that they were in their homes and they had heard that the fires had been put out. They thought the danger was, you know, at bay. There was no siren. There was no, no, no warning that went off at all. And then the fire was there. And, and so many people, and especially some kids, those are the stories that just killed me. These, these kids died. There was no warning. There was no warning. There's just nothing. Are we today, Christians, Athey Creekers, ladies that are wanting to look to our Bibles to say, I don't want to be a woman of the culture. I want to be a woman of the word. I want to be someone that is a biblical woman, not a cultural woman. Should we be sounding some alarms? And this alarm could look very, very different. It could look in your house. It could be just for you of like, ooh, okay, I see that. I see that now. Is it in how you instruct your, your kiddo that is watching you, that's imitating you? But I, I do wonder if we're supposed, if Jesus so clearly says, be light, be a light in the world, are we doing it? Because the light is going to expose things and we can sound warnings to those that might get sucked in, that might not be looking to their Bibles to see what they should live as Christians, but instead they're kind of looking to the world. And believing the lie that, oh, it's just maybe no big deal. Let's not be too heavy-handed about all this stuff. I want to, I just, again, I'm pretty simple-minded. I want to do what the scriptures say. I just want to be really careful to do that. So I got to be careful with the things that I watch or the things that I might be part of because, not because of a salvation issue. No, no, no. But because I want to be an imitator of Jesus. We're called to be light. The last thing that I want to cover here is at the end of our passage there in Ephesians it said this, it said, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It said, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. I've spoken many times about that last part, about the looking carefully how you walk, because, come on, it just means that we can't be nonchalant about this. You actually need to set up, and you need to go, okay, Lord, what, what do you want me to do with this? How can I be light? Because you said I'm a light. So what do I need to uncover? What do I need to expose in my own heart, in my home, in where I spend my time? But make me an imitator of you. But the, it, it's, it's awake, oh sleeper. In other words, in, in the you know, implication is, is that maybe we've been a little lazy. Maybe we've been a little sleepy. Maybe we've been like, eh. And just letting the culture just roll, steamroll right over us. As I look back and I look at these, these words, and hopefully you get an opportunity every single day to open your Bible and ask the Lord, how can I be more an imitator of you? Because that's what it looks like for us to walk in holiness and sanctification. It's not nailing it every time. Nope. 
because we're not going to until we get to that promised perfection when we see Jesus face to face. Then we've got this. Until then, we don't got it. But praise the Lord, he's given us his word. He's given us fellow sisters in Christ. He's given us prayer to seek him and ask him for his Holy Spirit to help us in these things. We are not alone and you don't just need a, you know, a, a snappy little song to be your soundtrack. The Lord has got us in this. But I do ask today, ladies, that as, as you maybe go home and read Ephesians 5, I would really love for you to do that because, you know, take out Amy's words. Hear what the Lord is saying in Ephesians 5 and ask him if there be, like it says in the Psalm, is there any grievous way in my heart? Cleanse me, O Lord. That's what I want to do. That's what I hope we do. Because when we do that, then I think that we come to this place where we do shine brightly and we are that light. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, there's, there's so much in here that is sometimes hard, sometimes is convicting, sometimes it's just, it's just encouraging. And that might, might seem strange, but Lord, your word does encourage us. Because, Lord, you love us. And you don't give us this list of things to not do because you don't want us to have any fun or you don't want to have happiness in our life, but you do it because you know that it is going to ensnare us. You know that it's going to trap us. And you want us to be no partner with it, to flee from it. Lord, I pray for every one of us in this room, Lord, that we would honestly come before you, Lord, and we would, we would ask you to show us the things that we need to separate from the world so that we can be light in a dark world. And Lord, I pray that as we shine that light brightly, Lord, would you change our culture? I pray that as Christians who, who show love to one another, who desire to be fully and wholly devoted to you and your word and your scriptures and be imitators of you, that, that the world would see something different and be attracted to that. And it is what's true. It's what's real. It's not the, the fake things that the world wants to throw at us. Lord, we, do, we just pray for a hurting world that so needs you. And, and Lord, I pray that you would use the women in this room, the ones that are hearing this online, Lord, that you would use them and the people that they know in their families, in their friends, in their workplaces, in their schools to be a light for you, Jesus. But Lord, we, we expect big things as we come to you in prayer, knowing, Lord, that you can do what seems impossible to us, Lord. But Lord, would you just light, light a fire in us, in our homes, Lord? May we be more like you. Help us to be imitators of you. Help us to walk in holiness and sanctification and, and Lord, we just long for the day when we are before you, where we don't have to struggle with the flesh anymore. And we get to just be in your presence, Lord. But until that day, Lord, would you strengthen us? Would you give us your joy? Would you give us your love and light for the people around us? And help us to discern what is pleasing to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at apcreek.com.